0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? This is the Monday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to the only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, Jeff Carr. Thanks for listening to me today. We got some big news in Reds world. They're continuing to get the pitching as they made a trade with the Yankees to get Sonny Gray and bring him into the rotation. We're going to talk about that trade. And also in the second half, I kind of want to look at some of the obscure pitchers over the last four years that we have witnessed toss ball off the mound. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And also check us out on social media, at Lockdown Reds, and also my handle, at Jeff Carr, J-E-F-F-F-C-A-R-R. And also check us out online, at LockdownReds.com. Let's jump right into it. Out of the gate I do want to apologize to you guys if it sounds a little bit different today do not adjust your set kind of going through a little bit of some sinus issues so bear with me on that for today's show but we do have some good stuff to get to so looking at Sunny Gray and the thing that I like about this trade I know it's sparked a lot of debate amongst Red's country and that's an awesome thing That's something we can talk about on another day but It's not the clear-cut, like, oh, this is the trade, kind of like what they did with the Dodgers. This trade is one that solidifies their pitching staff as pretty okay. Now, no one's going to set up the Reds' pitching staff Now, at least before the season, as one of the best in the league, but they're also not going to be one of the worst in the league. They put themselves right in the middle, and really, with the offense that they can put together, the runs that they're going to be able to put up on a daily basis, I feel like that is a good thing. Now, it's not something that you're going to, you know, put one of these guys up there every fifth day and say, you know, we've got an awesome guy on the mound that is absolutely going to shut down the other team but you do not have that worry of oh boy we're giving up five runs before our boys are even up to bat in some home games so I, I I don't think that it is a bad thing definitely you know the the Reds are trying it's something that you couldn't have said the last couple of years where they constantly said, oh, we're building from within, we're building from within. And we'll get to that a little bit more later in the second half of the show. But with the Sonny Gray trade, they're going for a guy. Now, first of all, it's been well reported that Sonny Gray in college, you know, he pitched for Vanderbilt. In college, he pitched with Derek Johnson as his coach. And Derek Johnson was able to groom him into the prospect that he was. That the Athletics picked in the draft um, back in 2011, he was a first-round pick by Oakland, and he turned into you know their ace for a couple of years. His first full year, or his first full season in the majors, he threw 219 innings, and he had a 3.08 ERA. And in fact, the first three years in Oakland, his ERA was 2.67, 3.08, and 2.73. And that third year, he threw 208 innings. His first year up in the majors was, you know, I mean, he started off that year at AAA, so he didn't come up in the beginning, but he did throw 64 innings for the A's with uh, over nine strikeouts per nine, so 9.4 strikeouts per nine that year. His walks average is usually pretty down. Which, last year, it was kind of high. And, you know, a couple of uh, episodes ago, I kind of went over the reasons why I'm not so... Uh, Peckish, I guess would be the word Not so down on the idea of Sonny Gray being a red I know there's a lot of people and I think the reason for that Is they're comparing him to Dallas Keuchel Or Corey Kluber, which yeah, when you compare Him to those two guys, he's not as Great, especially Corey Kluber Corey Kluber is one of the best pitchers on this planet But um I think that he fits the profile. In fact, he fits right into the mold of Alex Wood and Tanner Roark, the two other guys that the Reds have brought in this off season. He gives up whenever he's giving up contact in his career. He's never finished a season with less than 50% ground ball rate, uh, allowing more than, or allowing less than 50% ground balls. And, also for his career, his homers allowed per nine is less than one, just like Alex would. He's not letting the ball leave the yard. So those are numbers that jive well with the staff that they've put together. And I think that this would be a very good thing. And there's a lot of people saying that he's a comeback candidate. Last season, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, you know, he threw 130 innings. He had a 4.9 ERA, just nothing that you're really going to be super happy about. But at the same time, his other stats were right on target. You know, 50% ground ball rate. Uh his left on base percentage was a little down so there was runners that were scoring that typically don't against him and his batting average on balls in play was way high in fact you know it's higher than league average league average is right around 300 he was giving up a BABIP of 3 point or of uh 326 and his career BABIP is usually 284 so you know he was giving up a lot more hits on those balls that were hit into play than he typically did in years past. So do I think he can really bounce back? Yes, I do. And it really solidifies the rotation in that when we go into spring training, the only thing we're talking about is the fifth pitcher as far as who is it going to be. Last year, I mean, you could almost have made an argument for five different pitchers on five different occasions. This year, you pretty much know who one through four are. You've got Alex Wood, Tanner Rourke, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo. The fifth starter may be a competition between Anthony DiSclafani and Tyler Malley. And who knows, I might just be making that up in my own imagination. They may already think that Anthony DiSclafani is the guy. So when I look at that, when I look at the big picture, and I'm a big picture guy, like when it comes to anything in life, what what's the aim here? What's the game? We're trying to make a pitching staff that will win the Reds enough games to, you know, get into the playoffs. Now, do I think they're a playoff team right now? No, but I do think they are a lot better. I think that they're a 500 team right now for sure. It It depends on comeback candidacy for Sonny Gray it depends on how Alex Wood and Tanner Rourke mesh with the rotation is Anthony DiSclefani healthy is he the Anthony DiSclefani that we all knew he could be whenever they traded for him a lot of you know questions in there but they're not as big a questions as who is our starting rotation I mean we entered the last four years for the most part thinking that like who's one through five like Last year, you maybe could have pinned down one or two, but three-fifths of the rotation was a huge question mark, and that showed throughout the years. We had multiple guys filing in and out of there that while they did okay, they also had some really really struggling times there in the rotation for the Reds. So anyway, I'm going to take a quick commercial break here on the Monday edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fun. um, we're We're going to laugh a little bit. So you're listening to the Locked on Reds podcast. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Monday. I am your host, Jeff Carr. As I mentioned in the first half of the show, I am a big picture guy in just about everything in life and when it comes to the Reds even too. So when you look at Sonny Gray, you look at the trade that the Reds made, they sent Shed Long and a draft pick to the Yankees for Sonny Gray and... That really brings to the rotation into full view. Now you can see four fifths of the rotation, and then if you just count Di Scalfani in there by default, then you've got your entire starting rotation set before pitchers and catchers even report. So that's pretty awesome. So you know you assume health and all that good stuff, but um, with that, there comes a sense of value because. As a Reds fan, you entered into a a lot of the last four years being like, who is going to start games for our team? And you ended up with some interesting names, not going to lie. And what I'm going to do here next, we're going to kind of laugh about some of these things. And I don't mean to laugh at these specific people. I'm just going to laugh at the circumstances in which they were put into and the circumstances which came out of what they did. It's not to say that they themselves are, you know, laughable. So I guess in the sense we're laughing with them, not at them. But anyway, um, One of my favorite Twitter followers, and you guys know I like to shout out my Twitter you know, people that I follow on Twitter and all this good stuff, is a Twitter account called Obscure Former Reds. And what they do is they'll highlight some crazy names. Like, you'll be like, who? Like, they played for the Reds? Really? And you'll go back and you'll look, and it's just phenomenal. Like, some of the names you heard of, maybe you remember at the time, but or maybe you knew them that season but now that it's been 3 or 4 years you're like oh okay sure so let's look at some of these guys and and also another reason for this is thinking about what's going to happen with some of these younger guys are they going to lose out on starts yeah they're not going to get you know 20 starts or whatever but they're still going to have their opportunities when you listen to some of these names here that took starts you know, uh, took, it took some starts over the last four years, obviously. And, and the criteria for this is guys who really weren't going to factor into the future of the Red starting rotation. And what that means is, you know, guys who weren't like prospects that were – you know, looked at as someone that's really going to be the next big thing. And I get that sometimes you get someone out of that pile, like, oh, hey, he came out of nowhere. But for the most part, you can really peg a guy as if he's going to help the organization out going forward. These guys fall out of that category. And the first one that I think of right away, and kudos to him, he actually led the Reds in innings in 2017, is Tim a- Tim Adelman? I mean, you know, say what you want about him, but he does not fall into the category of future staff, you know, rotation stalwart. He wasn't he wasn't ever going to be that guy. He was in his late 20s. So maybe you'll get a few good years out of him. But just, I mean, he's in Korea right now. That's really all you need to know there. In 2017, he had 20 starts. Like I said, he led the team in innings pitch that year. And in 2016, he had 13 starts. So Tim Adelman, who really his career profile fits best, the guy that you – you know, you, you have stashed away in AAA to come up and make a start on an emergency notice, you know, if you trade somebody or if it's a doubleheader or something like that, that's a, that's where Tim Adelman really fits into that category, not as somebody who makes 33 starts over a two-year period. Then another guy that comes to mind, and, you know, all apologies to him because he was a great red for a long time. But I put him. I put this down for a reason, Bronson Arroyo 2.0. And 2.0 is the key here. We're not talking about Bronson Arroyo from the 2000s. We're talking about the old battered Bronson Arroyo that came to us after having ventured out to a few other teams and gone through some Tommy John surgeries and this and that. He was just a shell of his former self back in 2017. He made 14 starts that year. And... To tell you right where he was at, in those 14 starts, he averaged, like, <clears throat> his strikeouts per nine was 5.7. It's very, very tough to be successful at the major league level with that kind of a number because you got to miss bats, and he just wasn't missing bats that year. Then another name to put on there, one of my favorite names to remember because it's just it's an awesome name, but Asher Wojciechowski. Dude made eight starts in 2017. Again, he fits right into the profile of someone who's just not going to factor into the future of the team. Next one, and this is going to kind of prick at my buddy Chad Dotson over at Red Leg Nation. And he loves to say this name. And probably next time I'll have him on the show, I'll I'll have him say the name the way he likes to pronounce it. But uh, Lisoverto Bonilla. G- granted, it's a great name. That's That's an all-timer. He had fourteen he had four starts, sorry, four starts in two thousand and seventeen. But again, he's just not a guy that's gonna factor in there. That's four starts that could have went to an actual person that had an actual, you know, factor into the um team's future. And then you had Deck McGuire make two starts in 2017. The next guy I'll be honest, whenever I first heard of him and when I saw a couple of starts a couple of times that he pitched, I thought he might turn into somebody, but it's John Moscott. He made eight starts over 2015-2016, and I don't know that he was ever actually going to be anybody. If he was going to be somebody, he was going to be out of the bullpen, but he hasn't pitched since 2016. Injuries, this and that and the other kind of explain that, but he falls into this category. Then there was Tim Melville started a couple of games in 2016. Daniel Wright started two ga- two games in 2016. And, you know, sometimes you hear these names and you're like, well, maybe they did have a shot. Maybe the Reds were trying to give them their chance. Daniel Wright... That year made two starts. The Reds put him on waivers. The Angels picked him up. He pitched for, you know, a half a cup of coffee for the Angels. They waved him. The Reds actually signed him before Christmas in 2017. He spent all of last season in the Reds organization, but in the minors. And the Reds released him in early November 2017. you know, 2018, and he still is currently a minor league free agent. And as Doug told us on the last phone and in Friday, if he's a minor league free agent, that means that teams know what they think of him, which they don't think he can help them in the future. So there you go, Josh Smith, which is a name. He's he's a name, but. He got nine starts over 2015-2016. He was always going to be a bullpen guy. And even still, he's just not really landed anywhere ever since he left the Reds. And then two more, um, Dave Holmberg, which... As a starter, he wasn't much. He resurfaced in 2017 on the White Sox, and he was actually halfway decent in a relief role for the White Sox, but he was just never going to factor in. He was the quintessential rainy day doubleheader starter that you call it from AAA just to have there as that extra 26th man and give your rotation a a rest. And then last but not least, Jason Marquis, In the twilight of his career, in 2015, the Reds gave him nine starts. Just when you look at these numbers, and you look at these names, and just the, you know, shout out obscure former Reds, I hope you guys have a field day with this, but some of these guys, you think, couldn't those have gone to, you know, maybe a couple more here or there for Cody Reed, or... Sal Romano or guys like that who have a future, like maybe I'm making more of it than I should, but I, I just thought it was funny to look back at those names and say, you know what, coming into 2019, we have a pretty solid sounding rotation. It sound like we've got a pretty decent group of guys, and these were some of the guys that filled the groups over the last four years, and really the last four years, almost have really kind of doomed the Reds to where they are today and that people are like, they got to win now or else I'm just not going to care. And this is part of the reason why you got these weird, just not really going to build your franchise guys pitching multiple starts. And they can't have that moving forward. I think they've got a nice base laid, and now they're going to be able to work in the younger guys. Maybe not on the regular basis that they got to see last year, but when they saw time on a regular basis last year, it was a struggle. So now they can work them in a little bit more gradually. Tyler Malley can get a little bit more rest in between starts, and he can get a little bit more work in with this new coaching staff that I really think is going to help all of these guys. So anyway, I appreciate you listening to the Monday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. We talk Sonny Gray and we talk some obscure former Reds starters. Listen tomorrow. We're gonna to have more about the impending rotation for the Cincinnati Reds. I want to look at big picture for 2019 and the Reds arms. So thanks again for listening to the Locked On Reds Podcast, your team every day here on the Locked On Sports Network. Make sure you're subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, and check us out at LockedonReds.com. Hey Prime Members.